Hey everybody, I'm Blaine. I'm with my boy Brooks. This is the 12th Man Podcast. Uh, thank you for coming out today. Um, today we got a handful of things we want to talk about. Brooks, it's been a pretty interesting week in the world of football. Um, first things first, let's get the big, let's get the big uh, elephant out of the room. Messi's contract is ending in what? Uh, nine days? Nine days, yeah. Nine days, 30th of June. What's going on? Uh, I mean, everybody knows that, I mean, I don't think maybe everybody doesn't know, but most people know that they can't afford his current weekly wages. Um, so that's like the big thing right now. Obviously, most people know that Arsenal is in a lot of financial trouble. So, you know, one of the things that they're trying to figure out is like, all right, we still want you here. Uh, obviously, we don't, don't want him to leave. They just sent him well, so they, hopefully that would help him stay. But one of the things they're talking about is like, just bringing his salary way down. And this isn't just him either. This is like, you know, Gerard Piquet, Sergio Busquets, a lot of the guys that have been there for quite a while that they're talking about, everyone's kind of taking a voluntary pay cut. Um, but specifically with Messi's situation, it's like, all right, yeah, you'll take a pay cut, but like, even when you retire, you're still gonna get, you know, checks from us for, I don't know, uh, in perpetuity maybe, who knows how long that's gonna last for, but that's gonna be kind of a way to kind of recoup some of whatever losses he's going to hit with, uh, if he does take a pickup. So that's kind of what the what the talk is right now. But I don't know, man. Like, the, obviously, the option is still for him to potentially head over to Paris City. Who knows? What do you think? Well, I was going to ask you, so is, like, is the new deal, like, take less money now and we'll just pay you after you retire, like, in installments until you're, like, 70 yeah, years old? Right, yeah, it's similar to that. I mean, I don't know that we've ever seen anything like this in football as far as like, like team player contracts. You see stuff like this, for example, Beckham's lifetime deal with Adidas. I think even Messi has a lifetime deal with Adidas. I believe LeBron has a lifetime deal with Nike. Um, yeah. So it might be something like that where it's like you're technically like always on the books um, as long as you stay, you know, whatever, a couple more years or there's also been interest in on his side when he has finished in Europe going to like MLS and play or something so I think that that would just all be worked out with Barcelona um, you would have to think though that if he does agree to stay and he does take a pay cut and he does kind of take a 20 year check or whatever that's going to look like like Barcelona would kind of have a lot of freedom over what he I don't know wants to do or wants to go and do in the future but yeah, yeah. that's kind of what it's looking like right now Okay. These days. Yeah. These days. I mean, I feel like that's a, a very creative way to get a guy to stay when your, uh, you know, your finances aren't quite in order. And I mean, it, for me, I, that'd be a quite attractive deal. It's like yeah. one, maybe pay less taxes because you're getting, I mean, maybe, I don't know how the Spanish tax works. Maybe after you make like 2 million, it's all the same, but you know, they get small payouts instead of like one huge lump sum guaranteed money for the rest of your life or well into your, you know, twilight years. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's, I think, what a, oh, sorry, keep going. I was going to say, yeah, I, I think that, I think that's pretty smart and creative. Yeah. I agree. I mean, I, I think that it's obviously not the case with the highest paid footballers ever in the world, like him and Ronaldo, but, you know, with any athlete, an issue that they have is like, once the checks stop coming, once they stop playing, it's like, oh shoot, now what, you know? Um, mm -hmm. Obviously, they've got enough money from every single endorsement and contract, but it, it's just kind of cool to be like, oh, okay, cool. I don't have to worry about like taking a pundit job or like being a coach. Or, like you know, I'll always 
have this income for another 20, yeah. 50, whatever years after uh, my playing days are over. Yeah. But so I kind of like you said, like with David Beckham, like it's cool to see David Beckham still in the Adidas adverts or yeah. like the original Ronaldo for Nike, like yeah. he still shows up to events and I think it's cool. It's like clearly they're not they're not playing anymore, but like to see that they're still being endorsed and like because their names carry so much weight. In Messi's case for the club and for the brand, it's like why wouldn't you want him to endorse Barcelona for the rest of his life? Right. Yeah. Totally. And I mean, and just having like that name recognition, like that will still bring hype around it. Like you can still sell Messi jerseys and like have Messi show up to events or blah blah whatever. Yeah. I think that's cool. I mean, yeah, I, if I was him that. You're right. I didn't think of that. Like having a jersey, even in like 2030, to like yeah. buy a messy jersey. That's really cool. I didn't think of that. That's a good point. Yeah, yeah, because because mm -hmm, I like. I mean, we're not lawyers, but I think they would lose the rights. Like you can't just go right print like and sell merch, mess merch. Like someone could probably go to the camp and like say, I want a jersey with the number 10, and I want you to put messy on it, and like right. there would be no way to track that. But you couldn't sell it. And say like, oh yeah, like this is Lionel Messi's jersey, so it would be, yeah, I think that's cool. Yeah, it would also make room. Yeah, it would make room for some of these new signings. And I, I wanted to run some of these new signings that Barcelona made by you. So we talked about like some of the old ones, Lee, you know, Sergio, uh, Aguero, Eric Garcia. We also thought Gigi Wijnaldum was going, but turned out he went to Paris. Um, is that a hit or a miss for Barcelona? Would they have been better with them or? Yeah, I mean, when, when Paris signed him, I was kind of like, not so sure. Uh, I don't know, I, I don't know. Um, I think we've talked about, specifically like in Arsenal's case, like who would Arsenal pick up for like a really good number 10 or like midfielder. I, I don't know, like I didn't, I don't know, when Alden's good, and I, I think I'm just seeing him more now in the Euros, or at least paying attention to him now, more now in the Euros because he's going to Paris than I did when he was at Liverpool. Like, he was injured a little bit this year, didn't play a ton. Um, he's obviously really good, but I kind of, I don't know, I don't know how different he is than kind of what Paris already have in the middle. Um, and I think that aside from Frankie de Jong, like, getting rid of Arthur, I don't know that Barca's midfield is the strongest. Yeah. But, you know, so I think that would have been better for Barca, but I don't know, I mean, maybe they have another plan, they signed Defy, which a lot of, like, stats show that he's a very similar player to Messi as far as like where he picks up the ball, where he makes his runs. Um, so, I mean, I think it would have been a pretty good pickup for Barcelona had they picked him up, but maybe they have someone else in mind. I don't know. I hate to say it, but I agree with you. I think, so like, I think White Album would have been better for, for Barcelona than um, Memphis. I feel like Memphis Depay is going to be Philip Coutinho all over again. Dang. Yeah, uh, that's, that's, you're right. That, yeah, that's crazy. I didn't even think about that. I forgot all about Coutinho. Of course. <laughs> and I, like, I, like, here's the thing. Like, I like Memphis Depay a lot. I, I, when, he, when he got signed to me, I was like, let's do it. Let's go. Like, I hope you do well. It didn't work out. Right. Who was who was his coach at Manu? Do you remember? Yeah, um, the other Dutchman. Yes, exactly. Precisely. So it didn't work out, and everyone was like, well, he has the Dutch coach, you're going to have the Dutch connection. It didn't work out, Dutch coach left. Right. Very volatile club. Goes to Olympic Lyon, does his thing. Yeah. Five years later, okay, we got we got the next Dutch coach at Barcelona. Let's bring him in. 
to play a role that Messi already plays on a two-year contract, so it's pretty low low stakes. But still, I don't I don't see how that's going to work out when. And like you said, like they haven't for they I almost spoke Portuguese. They haven't strengthened. It's his jersey. Now this jersey's pretty uh, They haven't strengthened their midfield. At least I can't think of any significant right. uh, signings that Barcelona has made. So it's like okay, Memphis is going to come in and and Messi play the same spot and um, and yeah, I don't know. I thought they like it looked like they were on a trajectory to make great signings, and then like in the space of a week and a half, it like flipped, and now they're like, oh yeah, let's get more. More attacking midfielders that like to play in the pocket that um, Messi has been thriving at for the last few years. All right. Last few decades. Um, yeah. Um, other thing though, I saw this this morning on some of the some of the gossip transfer sites, and I don't I don't think there's any validity to this at all. But I heard people saying that Joan uh, Joan Laporta is trying to bring CR7 to Barcelona. To play alongside. <laughs> no way. No way. I don't no, think like, so. I mean, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I didn't mean to cut you off, but no, I, I just don't see that. <laughs> I don't. I don't see it happening. No, I don't see it happening. The one like the Madrid ties too. Right. It's like Ronaldo's. A, he like he's he's a like a what do you call it? like a loyal guy. Like he won't play for any other clubs in England besides Man U. He won't play for any other clubs in Portugal besides Sporting. I don't know about Italy, but I definitely don't think he would sign for Barcelona. And I don't think Barcelona could afford what he would want to make. He would want to be the highest paid player on the team. It's not getting, he's getting, or at least he's getting paid what Messi's getting paid. Like we said earlier, like they're having a hard time dealing with that. So they want him to drop wage. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it'd be cool to see them play together. And I, I mean, that's, I don't think that like them potentially playing together is out of question, although like they're running out of time, so I don't think it'll ever happen. But I just don't think that they play together in Barcelona. That's yes. If they did, it would be in Paris. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Paris is where the stars would link up. Yeah. All right, well. Anyway. Yeah, no, anyway. I so too. I also think that, that but just going back to your original question, like, I don't know, I, I, I will just have to see, I guess, about you doing all them in Paris. like. I guess does he take over Paredes? Like what, I don't know. I don't know where he, really where he fits in, but yes, yeah, that seems like a, an odd signing. I do think he would have been better fit to Barcelona. But anyway, next, yeah. yeah, yeah. Next, next subject. We'll see what happens. We'll be watching in the fall. Yeah. But uh, let's move on to the Euros. Um, you text me. I so uh, Germany played Portugal on the weekend, right? Yeah. Um, winger from Atalanta absolutely destroyed Portugal. Goes in. Crushed though, man. That like, dude had an amazing game. Man, he now like because Atlanta's been good for the last few seasons, and yeah. like I couldn't pick out like one individual player from Atlanta. I was just like as a collective, they're good. But after that game, I was like, golly, like, how is this? <laughs> how, like how is this guy not playing for like a title contending? I guess Atlanta was contending for a title, but like you get it, like like yeah, a marquee yeah. team, like right. you know. But yeah. he whiz. Yeah, he, he really. If they, if even though the the first game too against France, like he didn't have a he had a pretty good game too. I mean, it's he's kind of had a really good tournament so far. Yeah, so far standout player. Yeah. Standout player of the tournament, or at least like like player that 
and it'll probably stand out. I mean, I feel like Italy also has been has had some standout performances as well, as you also mentioned our text thread. Italy's been um, going in. I, I, they're a little bit lucky or fortunate that maybe they've been playing their first few games in Rome, but still, yeah. they looked amazing. Yeah, they, good grief, dude. So I'm like, oh, man, like Italy. Like, here, okay, I'll just give you my hot take. This is my, what I think of the tournament so far, and then I want to hear yours. Um, England has completely dropped the ball. They, <laughs> one goal in two games. And I don't even know if they have a shot uh, against Scotland. Dude, that was the worst. That was the biggest waste of time yes. so far in the tournament for me. Yeah, I was watching that game was a mistake. Yeah, yeah. All the same. I, I felt, I legitimately fell asleep on my couch. It was a waste of time. But, uh, so like, I'm looking at England like, you guys don't stand a, a chance. France, um, they had a disappointing game on the weekend, but I'm like, it's France. Like, they, I'm sure they could bounce back. Yeah. But then, like, I'm I'm looking at Belgium. I'm still looking at Belgium, and I'm looking at Italy. Like, you guys, like, you could make it to the final. Like, you yeah. guys have everything it takes. So, yeah, totally. That's... You're you're right. But Belgium and Italy, and Italy's reserves yesterday came in and tore them up. Marco Verratti's back fit. He looked incredible. Yeah, man. It's just like I like I oof, just caught me completely off guard. Like, because they've been winning games, and, like. I think they now have scored seven or eight goals. Seven, no, I think last they won one well. Yeah. So I think it's seven goals in three games. Like, yeah. I don't have my stats in front of me, but I think that's probably the highest goal tally so far in the tournament. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, yeah, I think it is because Germany didn't score against France, but they put four past Portugal. But, yeah, I think that might be the highest goal. Because it hasn't been, like, a crazy, you know, amount of goals in this tournament yet like there's been some pretty consistent ones but it's it's not been like four five six zero um yeah yeah Italy's looking so good man like it's they're really fun to watch I'm glad they're playing in Rome I, I there was a stat at like right at halftime or like right before halftime where they hadn't let a goal in in over a thousand minutes um and they obviously went the whole game without conceding so it looked really amazing I guess they haven't lost the game since like I think you said November or October. It's been they've been on fire for the last few months, which is crazy because they didn't even make the World Cup a couple of years ago. But they look like you know one of the best teams in the world right now. So yeah, let's let's remember that you just said that for later okay. in the conversation. Okay, okay. They didn't make the World Cup, but they look like one of the best teams in the world. And the coaches look fire in those Armani suits. That's the thing that over out Yo, best dressed, best dressed at the Euros, and so far best performing. Yeah. Beautiful. Okay. So, yeah, I mean, that's pretty much yours. I guess one other thing I, I thought it was kind of funny. So, I stopped watching that Portugal game after Germany went nuts on them. Germany seems to have some sort of, like, bias against Portuguese-speaking countries. Dude, they're embarrassing Portugal. They embarrassed Brazil. They, they, have, they have a bias. If they played against, like, Angola, they would probably do the same thing. That's but uh, you said... So, I didn't watch the end of the game because I got frustrated. But you said that... Uh, Gozens asked Cristiano for his jersey at the end of the game. No, that was the uh, when they so as you said earlier, Gozens plays for Atalanta. He asked him at a Juventus match. Oh, okay. <laughs> I think that okay. Atalanta had. I mean, but it was a similar situation. Like Atalanta had just knocked them out of the Copa Italia, and um, you know, and all those like just just like looked at him, and I didn't know that that happened until. 
like one of the announcers was like brought it up you know Goes okay. Asked Ronaldo for his shirt. He wrote it in his book. Like this whole like thing happened. He just stared at him. Didn't even say anything to him. Just looked at him as he walked away for like a few seconds, just staring him down. Um, yeah, and then his teammates bought him a shirt. Ronaldo shirt like a few weeks later. But yeah. Okay. Okay. I'm glad you clarified. You guys probably still sleepy. But okay, because I was gonna say this isn't his first time doing that. I was gonna say he did it during the season. But that oh, was really? that what. Well, but now, now you've clarified because what happened, that was the incident. Yes, I was going to say, this is like a repeat of this, but it was from the Copa Italia. Okay. <laughs> it makes me funny. I was like, I was like, this match is going around the nine everyone. Like, yo, you beat me? You're done. Don't talk to me. Don't look at me. That's so funny. Shout out. I love Ronaldo. And I, you said, I think he said, you want to do it. I would do the same thing. Like, if my team loses a game. Like, don't, I'm not shaking your hand, don't look at me, don't tell me good game. I'm walking off the field and I'm going home to sit in a bathtub. I'm, I'm a sore loser, though. I mean, a sore loser. I, I think that, like, I, I, when I was little, I was, like, furious when I would lose. But then, as I got a little bit older, like, I was just, I don't know, I, I, some, I don't know what happened. I think it's one of my uncles was just like, look, man, like, you know, you lose, you wrap it up there on the field, and then you go to, like, move on to the next one you can't like take that stuff with you so i try to always like not be like that after the fact but it's hard to lose especially at that level especially in you know big tournaments but yeah yeah and then take my then you might swap shirts on the field like i'm some sort of chump get out of here <sighs> but that's good I, but yeah i i i think that's good though more people should be like that like it's just the game and plus they're getting paid they're getting paid like no one thinks you're less of a player because you lost to a better team on you know, a night, but yeah, Ronaldo's a proud man. He's a proud man, and so yeah, I, you gotta appreciate you know all of the power, effort, energy that he puts into literally every single match. So let's go, let's go, Portugal. But you still gotta have right. a little bit of heart at the end of the at the end of the game. You, you still gotta, you know, somebody, if some fan. The crazy thing is like Ronaldo and Messi, like when they play against these people. Especially like you said, maybe like the little bit lesser known teams. Like these people are fans still of like them as athletes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's like like they're not look, like they're gonna go up there and they're gonna compete against you, but they're looking at you like, oh, this is the Ronaldo, Cristiano Ronaldo, Lionel Messi. Right. Like I'm starstruck. Like I think Alfonso Davies uh, when yes. they knocked Bar Bar Barcelona out of the uh, Champions League last season. He was like, yeah, like I did, like we did what we had to do, but like the whole time I was like heart, heart emoji, heart eyes emoji, looking at all of those guys. So, yeah, that's so funny. But and also like it wasn't like he's, that's part of the game, right? Swapping a shirt is like part of the game. It's not like he asked him for a selfie and an autograph and like to go out to lunch. It was, it was, it's literally, you know, become part of an after the yeah. game. For some people, if they're that big of a fanboy, it's become a halftime situation. But it's after the game, you know, you that's kind of just a ritual. You just swap a shirt. But anyway, he chose not to. Yeah, it's fine. yeah that's his decision. Maybe, yeah. maybe, maybe don't ask Ronaldo to do it in front of everybody. Don't, don't do it on the field right after. Right after, yeah. Right, right, right after. Yeah, maybe that could have been it. Because then, like, you look at what happened with even Hazard after he got knocked out of a, out of a uh, cup situation, and he. I don't know if he swapped the jersey, but like he was kind of celebrating a little. I don't know if he said, yeah. but he was he was a little bit happier than he should have been with the opposition and Kurt Zuma and Eduardo Mendy and yeah. Spanish press destroyed him. As they I will. Don't know. 
They say the British press is harsh, and they are, but man, that Spanish press. They take no yeah, it didn't. It, it, it didn't look fun. Yeah, it does not look fun being there if you're not in their graces. No. Eat you alive. Yeah. All right. Well, from one Spanish-speaking country, I guess not technically to another, Brazil, they speak Portuguese, but uh, Hope America. Um, so far, it's been an exciting tournament for me watching Brazil. Um, but Brazil played Peru the other day. I don't know if you had an opportunity to watch the game, but this is all I can say. This is all I can say about Brazil, Neymar, the rest of the Brazilian team, the competition. Brazil is not taking this competition seriously at all. They're just having fun. They're out there dancing around the ball, doing no-look passes, rainbows, step-overs galore. Nathan runs to the middle of the park like it's nothing. It looked, so the Peru game versus Brazil looked like a, uh, like it was a practice and Neymar was just having fun with the whole team. And I, mean, I think we've said this countless times, they're gonna win the tournament. They're gonna win the tournament and I'm gonna break a sweat doing it. That's all I have to say. Yeah. God bless Brazil. God bless Neymar. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I think that they definitely look like the favorites still. And I think that that's kind of, I mean, you kind of hit it on the head. I think that anyway, when we were growing up, that's like the type of player we associated with Brazil. You know, is that beautiful, fun, loving way of playing soccer. Tricks and flips and, you know, I don't know, making it look just really fun. Uh, and yeah, they're like dancing. They were dancing, dude. They looked like they were having so much fun out there. Yeah, yeah. They, they looked like they looked so happy. Like I was smiling. I was texting my dad. I was like, are you watching this? Like, it was just, it was so beautiful. Like to see, like, cause I'm like, you gotta, when he's in Paris, like he can't play like that. Cause you've got a coach barking at him. It's like, we're playing, we're playing for like pride now, but that Brazil team, they're just having fun and winning at the same time. It's so cool. Yeah, that's a, it like no, a you're right. No, 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 I mean, you are. And that's okay. Like I'm the same with Argentina, but we just have nothing to be that proud about. So I mean, I'm gonna say it. Like, you're right. They look really good. And it's so fun to be able to see uh, a team play like they're in the schoolyard. Yeah, I mean, one of the, my favorite things to do when we travel is like, I've done this in Paris, I've done this in uh, like south of France, Marseille, I've done this in Barcelona. Like, I love to find just little pitches where kids or even adults are just playing pickup soccer or, or you know, very low level organized, organized soccer because it is mm -hmm. very different than what you see, um, you know, on TV every weekend. And I think that that's one of the things that Brazil takes pride in is they kind of keep that street style football or beach style football and take it uh, all the way up with them. And so really glad you pointed that out because it is beautiful to see. It is fun to see if people, you know, I don't know, they're just, it's, it's very entertaining and it's even better than doing it um, in Brazil. Um, well, let's not forget that Argentina played tonight. So I don't know. I don't, that's all I'll say about Brazil, but they do look good. They do look good. They're going to win the tournament. Okay. Argentina, how you feeling? They going to make it to the final? Nah. Uh, I mean, I do think that they're the second best team in the in the in the in the Copa, but mm -hmm. I guess they, yeah. I mean, they can. They just aren't scoring like Brazil is scoring. Um, I would hate to say this, but it kind of reminds me of Arsenal, where it's like you know you you know you have the power up front to score these goals, but they're just not doing it. There's no creativity. Um, I don't know. The defense is always shaky. Messi, you know, that short corner they took and then he played it in a little bit and then uh, played the ball in the center to get that header from like a 
kind of a more of like a defensive info than anything. It's just I'm glad he can create. He always looks amazing, like, but they just don't expect it. Well, pray for him. Pray for the Albie Celeste. Yes, um, yes. Yeah, but I mean, I think I think. Go. 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 No, no, I didn't even know what I was gonna say. I was gonna say like even Lautaro Martinez still gets taken off like every 60, 70th minute. He hasn't scored in a while. Um, they just don't look great. I don't know. It just doesn't look promising. They just yeah, can't create. Um, but anyway, yeah, I'll still keep watching them. Still keep supporting them. Um, hopefully, you know they can start to pull things together and put some more goals in the in the net. But we'll see. Okay. One other random thing that I noticed. So I was watching the, some of the Chile game. They came out. They had the uh, the Nike check on their jerseys covered up with a Chilean flag. Did you see that? I when you no when you sent that to me, I was like, what the heck? So as you know, I, I have a very large disdain for Chile. So I try not to watch them unless <laughs> they're playing Argentina. But I didn't see that. Yes. That's crazy. Yeah. yeah. Apparently, like the Chilean football. Confederation, Federation of Football, whatever it's called, that uh, they're suing like some subsidiary of Nike over not giving them like sponsorship money for their kit creation or something like that. It seemed, it seemed like a weird thing because they're not like suing Nike directly because I guess Nike doesn't handle their kit creation, but it's like done through like a smaller company that like goes through Nike. But somehow they sell Nike kids. Like it, the whole like I read an article and it, it frankly it confused me. All I got from it was they want more money from Nike and Nike's like, nah, we're good. And now they're like, okay, well we're not gonna show the uh, the Nike check until we wow. figure this out. That's crazy. Yeah. yeah. It's like yeah, I, I feel like you always hear like stories like well not always, but like you see stories like oh yeah, like Nike has a dispute with this person or like yeah. Theodora does it with this and like players and contracts they just wear blackout boots but i've never seen like a blackout jersey where like a team is like oh yeah we're just gonna like pretend the check's not there and put a flag over it that's wild yeah dude i gotta look that yeah. up because you're right i mean you you hear even when you know a, a, not just nike but any any kit supplier is on like their last round or whatever last season of putting out the kit they still no one's ever like crossed out the check or the three stripes or whatever. They're just like, okay, like we'll we wear this until our contract is up. Um, yeah. But that's really interesting. I don't. I, I also the crazy thing is though, I don't know how seriously Nike takes South America aside from Brazil. That's like that's true. You know, there's no one else down there. They they do sponsor the um, Argentinian Rugby Federation, and those jerseys always look amazing. Um, but yeah, they look really good, but they also, I mean, I don't know. I feel like most of their efforts go to Europe. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's, it's all in what I said, like they, like from the article I read, it sounds like Nike headquarters themselves don't even like deal, like, unless it's Brazil, they're not even doing the contracts. Insane. So yeah, so basically it's like a third party. It's like, oh, Chile wants Nike jerseys or they brokered the deal themselves and Nike's like, okay, like here's like, you can design them and use all our stuff. Or like, there's like a few like club teams that also have Nike, like there's a big club in Colombia, um, Independe Nacional or like the green and black team. Yeah. You, I don't even know, you probably, it's, it's like no one watches the Colombian league, but shout out to the Colombian league. The Colombian all over the place. Yeah, yeah, exactly. 
Um, is, what's the point? But yeah. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, it's weird. It's weird. I know that. Um, that I think that there's one one Nike sponsored team left in in the Argentine league. I think there's a couple left in Brazil. Um, but yeah, South yeah. America. I, and I know. I mean, at least for I can only speak on behalf of Argentina because that's obviously who I am. Uh, and I have family there, and I know that uh, Adidas is huge in Argentina. Um, and you know, like, I, I've never spent any time in Brazil, so I, I would imagine Nike's pretty big there, but I also I know that Adidas is a European company. Argentines think we're European, and so I don't know, maybe they feel like, uh, I have no idea, I don't know what it is, but yeah, Nike just doesn't really thrive down there as they do in places in, in Europe. Um, where, you know, they have a huge European headquarters, they put a lot of money into these other kits, I mean, to these other teams. But yeah, I kind of feel like every time there's a new jersey out for like a two day, it's I'm like, yeah, it's the same one, because I, I don't think I've seen a change since Nike took over. So it just seems like they don't really care about them that much. We'll have to look deeper into it. I honestly, I mean, I always thought, like for me, the Chile jersey, it, this one is a little bit different, has some, okay. some intricacies, but I've always confused well, I've been confused because the flags for Canada and Chile are very different, but I feel like they always get the same kit. And it's typically just like a red, it's like whatever the latest template is, but it's just like red sleeves, red collar, red body, red panels, yeah. and then like the flag or like the insignia. But you know, that's all. We don't need to talk about Chile too much longer. You hate them anyway. And I just thought it was curious. I just thought it was curious. You know, I'm like, I mean, me. Me personally, like we, me and you both, like we, we check boys, we love it. So I'm like, yeah. bro, like, listen, like, just I'd be happy, like, whatever deal you guys want to give me, I'm gonna take it. Like, totally. if you want to give me, if you want to give me two million, we'll take that. If you want to give me twenty, that's great too. If you just want to supply us with the jerseys, like, I'd rather, I'd rather just take that. You know, it's take like, it. yeah, absolutely. You know, like, like the majority of these players from Chile, man, they're paid in full anyway. They're playing in the top level in Europe. You know, they, they're like, they're conditioned and ready to go by the time they come down to perform, compete in the Copa America. Like, uh, like, I don't, let's not turn this into like me being confused on why like confederations need a ton of money, except for, I guess, to develop younger players. So yeah. I think I just answered my own question. Well, that, I don't know if you heard uh, a few years back. So obviously South America is, I mean, financially anyway, like economically, they're in a far worse position than all basically of Europe. Um, <laughs> and I know that, I believe it was 20, probably around 2016, maybe leading up to the 2018 World Cup. Argentina has, has had a lot of financial issues um, and there's been some corruption within the, the association as there is with, you know, almost every single federation of, uh, of, of football, but, um, Argentina was like out of money, they weren't paying. There's a lot of people that kind of make, I guess, so to speak, the, the wheels turn uh, with these um, country level like tournaments or even just a friendly. And so for a long time, uh, the security guards weren't getting paid, the kit men weren't getting paid. And the, the story came out that Messi was running the bill for all of the security guards, like the bus drivers, the kit men, just because they weren't getting paid by the Argentine Federation. Um, and obviously that can just go down, boil down to like, obviously these countries aren't the richest in the world, but you know, when you're getting big money from our, from Adidas or Nike, um, 
and, and you're just kind of not handling it well, which I think is what most of the issue is in these South American countries. Um, but I, yeah, so I mean, there definitely are a lot of people involved that do like rely on a paycheck from these bigger companies that maybe Chile is protesting something like that. Um, but yeah, it's really hard to see, especially it's hard to see for me mostly when it happens in South America because of like the financial um, difficulties that kind of go on down there uh, still to this day. So I, I definitely don't want to talk about on Chile, but I, you, maybe there, there's definitely got to be something else going on that we... So, sounds like you think it's a misappropriation of funds, Brooks. It sounds like you're accusing the Chilean Football Federation of being irresponsible. <laughs> no, no, no. I, uh, I, I don't think necessarily that's what's happening, but there could be something. That was, that was what was essentially happening in Argentina, though. Bro, it happens in America, too. Our yeah. old, whoever used to run the U.S., soccer, whatever, was a crook. Really? There is a podcast about it. I mean, wow. U.S. soccer, it, like, relatively isn't that exciting, but the scandals are humiliating, <laughs> disgusting. <laughs> That's what's exciting. And very exciting, very exciting <laughs> to read about. It doesn't look good. It's like, it's like, yeah, I'm like, I'm like more excited about the scandal from like the president of U.S. soccer who weighs 400 pounds than I am about like, Yikes. uh, like prospects scoring goals in the World Cup because they weren't that fair. Anyway, okay, let's move on. Let's move on. Let's move on. All right, so that that's it for the Copa America. I hope everything ends well for Chile. We both do. We uh, we support all uh, Copa clubs, but Brazil and Argentina are at the top, obviously. Uh, but anyway, so let's move on. Let's do some quick hits on these transfers real quick, and then let's get to our main topic, something that we've been wanting to discuss for a while on the show. Um, any transfers you see that you think are interesting that we haven't discussed so far? I guess we've talked about Barcelona, but anything in the last week? Um, not really. I mean, I think that just what we're going to be talking about, like obviously Sergio Ramos' contract uh, is up. Um, Don Ruma leaving Milan. So aside from those two, no, nothing really. It's like, oh, cool. To me, nothing that interesting. That's all I have on my list. Yeah. Well, yeah, because we, I feel like, yeah, we talked about Barcelona, we talked about Kane a lot. We still don't know where he's going, and we don't know until after the Euros. And then, yeah, it seems like, I mean, I, it'd be dope, dude, if, um, uh, if Gigi went to, uh, Paris, but, um, Donnarumma went to Paris. Yeah, but, I think yeah. that's, I mean, that's what they're saying is happening. I think you hit it on the head, like, there's probably not a ton of talk of transfers or speculation just because everyone's so focused on the Euros or the Copa. But I did hear that PSG's men were flying into Italy like yesterday just to complete the medical of Donnarumma. And I think that mm -hmm. it's, you know, I don't, I didn't hear any official announcement, but I, I feel bad for Caleb Navas. That dude keeps getting hit, like stepped on by Madrid. They just got rid of him mm -hmm. and sent him to Paris. Paris is now going to try to you know, get him, I don't know what they're going to do with him, but I think he's an incredible goalkeeper, and he kind of just gets the shaft every time. Like, I don't think that he's yeah. worse than, what are you saying? No, nothing. I'm agreeing with you. He he just, like, every time, like, just what you said, like, people misplace him, and then he performs, and they're like, oh, but there's someone else younger, someone else that's, like, has more, like, swag, swagger to him in terms of, like, marketing. They're like, okay. 
we're gonna we're gonna bring this guy in and you're you're done. You're done, you're going to Arsenal. Maybe I don't know. Hey, I'll take I'll take Kayla Knowles at Arsenal any day, yeah. but I feel like he's one of the main reasons Madrid was uh so successful during that era. I mean I know that Tubo Courtois is like really great, but I don't know that I would have chosen him over Taylor Navas. I mean, he, especially because he didn't come from like a great couple of seasons, like a couple last couple seasons at Chelsea. He was kind of just like whatever. Um, he was great with Atletico Madrid, but uh, I don't know. He's 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 really good again now, but I don't think that he's you know heads yeah get above Taylor Navas. But, yeah. yeah, agreed. Yeah, agreed. No disagreement there. Solid keep. Okay, well, Brooks, this is the moment we've been waiting for. The question of the day. So I'll pose it to you like this. So let's just look at it. You got a bunch of tournaments that go around in different confederations around the world. We talked about two of them today. The Copa America. You got the European Championships, aka the Euros. AKA it's coming home, but it never will. Um, you got the Gold Cup. You got the Africa Cup of Nations. You got the Asian Cup of Nations, if that's what it's called, I'm not 100% sure. Maybe they do something in Australia, New Zealand, I'm not sure. Won't say anything there, I don't want to offend anybody, but I'm just not sure. And then obviously there's the World Cup. And the question is, which major international tournament, Brooks, is the hardest to win? Today. Let's just say like today, because like you could go back through the years, like, there was a certain period where Argentina and Brazil were winning a bunch of World Cups, so obviously the Copa America probably would be a much harder tournament when South America was so strong. Yeah. The point in time where like maybe Europe, like when Italy, France were playing. So like just like today, like if if there was like if all the tournaments took place in like 2022, uh-huh. in like in like in like like let's say two months, and then you had a two month break, then two months, and then everyone did another one. Which tournament do you think would be? the hardest to win and why that's such a good and fun like little like debate but i just think it's so hard to compare and it depends on who you ask like if you ask first of all europe has like what nearly 50 countries so many countries let's just say 50 probably so i think that south america has less than 12 or 12 if i'm not mistaken so you know they basically Europe has so many countries that they need to have a system for even like ruling these club these countries out before really the the, the, the Euros start. I guess what's called the, like the finals. Um, similar mm-hmm. to World Cup, like World Cup qualifiers is still World Cup. It's just not like the final, you know, thirty two teams or whatever. But I don't know. I think that right now, this day and age, or I mean, the only tournaments that are being played right now are Copa and, and the Euros, and I think that it's hard for, to win the Euros right now, currently, today. Like, on June 21st, 2021, it's harder to win the Euros. Um, but, I mean, it's it's also just difficult because, you know, some of the best teams in the world can't even compete in those Euros, and the same can be said about Copa America. Um, being Having, what, 44 or nearly 50 nations a part of Europe, I remember this is not what you asked, but in 20, you know, 14 through 18 ish, five of the top 10 teams were South American. And mm-hmm. only having 12 countries, like, that's pretty crazy that that, you know, that amount were 
50% of the top 10 were South American countries. So, you know, for people to be like Europeans or, you know, European nations are better. Uruguay, Brazil, Argentina, like they have won more World Cups than Portugal, uh, the Netherlands, like combined. Belgium, you know, has never, so I, I know, I mean, historically, I know you didn't ask historically, but I do think that South America's teams are better. I'm also biased, but right now, today, the Euros, I think, is the hardest one. So. No, I mean, I guess when you, when you put it like that, that, that's raw data and it's hard, it's hard to refute. Yeah, I mean, like Argentina has what? Two World Cups? Yeah, two World Cups and Gonzalo Higuain. <laughs> okay, let's say two and a half. <laughs> two and a half World Cups. Okay, two and a half. Brazil has what? Five World Cups? Yeah. So between those two countries, and I think, doesn't Uruguay have a couple too? They have four, I think. Is it four? I found okay, because they, well, they won the first like two or something. They have, I'm pretty sure they have four World Cups. We got a fact check, but I think they have four stars on the jersey. Okay, I mean, I I just know they have stars on their jersey. Let me see. Let me see. Are you? Yeah, I, I'm look. I'm look. Yeah, I'm looking it up right now. Yeah, look it up. I'm yeah, I'm look, yeah, I'm looking it up right now because I am, I am curious, and I apologize to all my Uruguayan friends that watch the podcast for not knowing this. But um, okay, mm, okay. I hate to say this. So according to Wikipedia, World FIFA World Cup champions. Two, 1930 and 1950, fourth place three times in 54, 70, and 10. Okay. But 10 being 2010, not 1910. But but I mean that that's still that's still completes the argument. I mean, so let's just say based off of those statistics, uh-huh. they have about 10 World Cups between them in the last 100 years. Like um, that means like yeah. I mean. Sorry, keep going. I, I, I cut you off because I saw the, the, the national team has four stars on top of their crest, which made me want to think that they had one. Okay. Um, okay. Hey. But what are you saying? That's, Sorry. I, I'm just I'm just saying if I'm just saying if Uruguay has historically if Uruguay has two, Brazil has five, and then Argentina has two and a half. It's like yeah. England's one, one, Germany's one, what? Well, that's an interesting one. conversation. France, too. Well, Germany's won quite a few, I think. But I don't think one of, like, three. But I think that there's kind of a bit of an asterisk because it was the first few they won, or the first maybe one or two they won was East Germany, West Germany. It was a, it was a nation divided. So when, when they combined to be Germany, they just took all the stars and put them into... Um, yeah. Together. All four stars. Is it four? Okay, so that's it's four. Yeah, four, it's right? Four. Yeah. Yeah. Two thousand fourteen was the fourth. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean that's the highest nation. I mean France has two now. Um, Germany has two. four. Um, and then I think in Europe, that, is that is that the most? Is Germany and then France? We're talking yeah, about European nations. Sorry, keep going. Well, I know Italy has one, right? Um, England has one. Uh, Spain has one. I mean, let, let me just, let's pull up the list. Let's pull up the list. This is pull up the list. Let's see who's won the competition from Europe. Um, awards. FIFA Cup Awards. Mm. I thought. 
Italy because that is four. Italy's only four? Yeah, Italy four and Germany four. Okay, that's... Okay. Well, that's... Hold on, hold on. Well, who's... Okay, that's the golden ball. I'm trying to... Is the list you're looking at show, like, the statistics for who's won the most? I just googled how many times has Italy won the World Cup, and it says four. Oh, six... 82, 38, and 34. Okay. Spain, okay. one, Germany, four, France, two. Okay. Well, I mean, good grief. I, I didn't realize Italy had won that many times. I didn't either. Well, maybe it's balance then. I mean, that, that certainly changes the complexion of this conversation. I thought South America was sliding in the first, but... Well, I mean, that's 12 countries. Yeah, that has to go for something, too. Yeah, I mean, South America yeah, has fourteen I mean, countries. Fourteen countries, and they almost have as many World Cup wins as they do countries. Whereas Europe has forty-four, forty-four, and maybe you know closer to fifteen. Yeah, I mean, I guess all I can say is I agree with you in that if it was happening today, I mean, for the fact that like. The thing is, like, for, like, in South America, the teams that are strong, like, everyone knows who the strong teams are in South yeah. America, because those same strong teams show up at every World Cup, and they are, yeah, and they're, and, and, and they compete every year, without question. It's not like, like, Colombia is there, Chile, like, all the countries are there, Uruguay, Paraguay, like, they're always there, they always compete. But it's, like, in Europe... It's like, because there's so many countries and each confederation can only send so many teams. It's like, like teams like the Netherlands miss out by fluke. Italy misses out by fluke. Right. Scotland's been to like one or two tournaments in their lifetime. And it's like Iceland, like all these countries that like, it's like, they're like, they, they'll give you a run for your money, but like they miss out just because of numbers. Yeah. And, and then so like so then when you take into consideration that you're you're doing the Euros, which is the same amount of games, but you don't have to take into consideration like in South America it's like okay like the same players that you would be playing in the World Cup are in the Copa America, but in the Euros there's like all these new opponents that are still around the same level of the majority of the teams that go from Europe to the World Cup, mm -hmm. and instead and so instead of like playing against like weaker opponents from like you know, North America or, you know, the Far East, like the Asian countries that do well, but like, yeah. if we're being honest, like the American countries like Canada's, um, you know, like I'm not gonna sit here and say countries, but we all know the countries that aren't from Europe and South America that don't put up as much of a fight right. in the World Cup. And it's like, okay, now those guys are in your group stage instead of like uh, Italy or the Netherlands and you have to yeah. deal with them which is a lot easier than it is like England drew Scotland 0-0 like they would probably beat like I mean I'm not going to sit here and say they would beat the US but they would probably beat the US who's to say who's to say England's kind of blowing it but all I'm saying is like I think I think like it like for any country I think like if you're like if you're a South American country I think the Copa America is probably just slightly less difficult to win than the World Cup. The World Cup might be easier because you don't have to face those countries, but I feel for a European country, the Euros would be harder, but not 
not not for the reason that there's like less talent or more talent, just because of the people you would have to play versus the lack of talent outside. If that I feel like that doesn't make sense. You get what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, I get what you're saying. Yeah, I get what you're saying. Although okay. this is what the first tournament Scotland's made in how many years? I think probably since probably since either of us now. Yeah, I don't know. I've never. I'll put it to you this way. I don't remember ever seeing Scotland yeah. in a World Cup. That's all I can say. Whether they were there or not, I don't know. But yeah. since I've been, let's just say, 12 years old, I don't remember seeing Scotland show up to a World Cup. Yeah. Or, or in anything for that matter. Yeah. But I do Euro, think no. that you're right. I mean, right now, Euros, for sure. Yeah. They're yeah. so strong like, right now. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Like, if you look at some of these groups, and it's like, they're letting three, three teams through, but it's like, man, like, I feel bad for, for, like, it's like, there has to be a loser, and it's like, in a different tournament, like, you could all proceed and make it to, like, knockout stage, yeah. and now the groups, but, like, when your group has, like, it's like, it's like in the Champions League, sometimes you get that group of death, and there's, like, three solid teams, and there's CSK, Moscow, it's like, there has to be a loser out of these three because you can't all go forward. But just because there's a loser out of this three doesn't mean that the person that came in third is a bad team. Right. Like that team, if they were in a different group, could have potentially not one of the other two in a semifinal. It's just yeah. that because there has to be a loser, someone's going to lose like one nil. And, yeah. you know, it, it doesn't mean they're not good. It just means like someone has to stay. It's just it, it's it's weird. It's weird to me, and this is and this is the last thing I say because we're going we're we're almost at an hour, and I, like you can you can respond to this obviously, but that's why like sometimes like I think and like this we can talk about this, but like thinking about this, it's like is the World Cup really the most accurate measurement of the best team in the world, or is it not? Because it's like I don't know. It's like I wish they would just look at like the coefficient rating and whoever does that yeah. and whether it's fair or not. And just say like, okay, we're going to take the top 36 teams and then we're going to like basically do a round robin between all of these teams. And then that's, that's your winner. That That's your winner right there. I mean, that, that would be a really long big tournament. It's not feasible, but like, there's no real way to say who's real. It's just, it's like, okay, I don't know. Like I'm babbling now. I, I want to talk about this in our next episode in more in more we detail because we can go in. because there's so much to say. Yeah, there's so much more to say. Like it's like there's so many details where it's just like a one-off, like a knockout tournament is never the best way to determine who the best team is. Like for crying out loud, Belgium's the number one ranked team in the world, and they haven't won anything. They haven't won anything. Yeah. But they're the number one team, and it's like it's clear that they're like. On paper, they're a good team and they can perform, but like in a one-off game, they get knocked out by France, right? Was yeah. it France? Yeah, it had to be France. And it's like, okay, like, could they beat France on a different day? Absolutely. Yeah. They definitely could beat France on another day. And it's like, okay, just because France beat them one time, does that make them the best? That's like playing like rock, paper, scissors against your friend and you beat them one time, you're like, okay, I'm the best, and you walk away. <laughs> and you don't have an opportunity to ever play again. It's like, are you really the best or did you just get like a lucky deflection? I'm not saying France isn't the best, because I believe in France. Also, I'm just saying, like, in the overall scheme of the tournament, like, okay, you're playing in three games in the knockout stage, or how many ever games in the knockout stage, and, like, oh, you lost against Myanmar, and now, like, you don't make it out the group stage, and, like, you're rubbish. Like, pack it in. Go home. Anyway, I'm done. That's all I got to say. I'll let you finish. No, you're good. I think you're right. It's, it's, 
it's really hard to say. I'll, I'll, I, one thing that do, people do say is that they're like, well, like, you know, some of these, you know, Asian countries or, you know, smaller African countries would never, that, that, that do get in, only get in because Europe is so large and they have to, like, have their own knockout stage to even get to the finals. Um, but at the same time, like, those teams that are European that aren't getting in, in my opinion, don't have a chance, don't have a better chance at winning it than, like, Ghana, who, you know, who makes it in, or, you know, one of these small African or Asian countries. Yeah. Um, so, I don't know, I, I, I don't love that argument, but I think that <laughs> it isn't a great, yeah, system, like, if it is interesting, like, they play each, uh, they, they play these group stages are weird, you know, the, the, the top two or three, you know, depending on how, how it falls go through. And then it's just like knockout, knockout, knockout. Like we, yeah, you know, at any any day of the week, anyone could be anyone one time. Uh, you know, we see it in EPL all the time. So yeah. it is interesting. I, do, I mean, that's why I think I love Champions League so much. It's a home and it's away. Although the final mm -hmm. is one game, but yeah, I, I like that format. I think it's super exciting. I am a fan of a goal meaning more away than it does at home um, because it is harder to play away, um, but now we're getting into something completely different. But yeah, I think yeah. that today, right now, <laughs> the Euros, Euros are, are the, I, I don't want to say that they're more difficult to win because I think that that's a, an unfair argument. I think that um, right now, I think that the best teams are coming out of Europe, aside from Brazil. I think you throw Brazil into that Euros, it's a whole, I mean, Brazil might take that whole thing. It's a valid point. They could. How they're There's playing right now? Yeah, it's scary. It's very scary. scary. In the way Brazil. And that's the thing. It's like the geographical border that's like, okay, like, now you're, like, in a different conversation because, like, you're on this side of, like, the prime meridian. So <laughs> right. you, can't, you, you, you can't take place in this competition or participate in this competition. It's like, well, if we did, we would wash you. It's like, well, yeah. I guess we'll never know, so, yeah. you know. Also, like, I guess I'll stop on saying this, but, like, I don't think I've ever seen, aside from, like, the African Cup of Nations, I've never seen Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang, one of the best strikers in the last 10 years, play in a nationally, like, like a big tournament. He's, Gabon's never been to the World Cup, as far as I can yeah. remember. That's a whole different, that's a whole different conversation. It's like, how... How many, like, let's just call them, like, international free agents. Like, Pierre-Emerick yeah. Pierre is a prime example. Get on. They'll never. They'll never. Yeah. Like, it, like, like at least, I won't say never, but, like, their infrastructure is not set up for them to participate in the World Cup. You're right. Right yeah. now. Yeah. Yeah, and then it's like, I mean, like, you look at, like, Cameroon, like, guys like Samuel Eto, and, like, yeah. Mbappe's part Cameroonian. Yeah. And it's like, he made a decision to play for France. And it's like, I understand, like, wanting to play for your country, like, like, you want to play for Cameroon, you want to play for Ivory Coast, like, right. Wilfried Zaha decided to play for the Ivory yeah. Coast instead of England, I respect that, I love that, Yeah. but, I mean, you do that, I mean, I guess for him it's not a hard decision, you know England's not winning a dang thing, but, <laughs> but, you know, it's like, I don't know, it's, it's weird, and the African Cup of Nations is, like, in the middle of a Premier League season also, so it's like, I know, it's crazy, <laughs> Yeah, I still remember watching it though. Like I, I remember like watching the Ivory Coast uh, with my roommate, and like we were like just like on a Sunday instead of like watching like 
the Man U game, we're watching the Africa Cup of Nations, watch Yaya Torre, yeah. and, like, all those guys. And it's like, it's like, why is this going on? Like, why is this in the middle of the Premier League season? Like, is it too hot to play in the summer in Africa? Probably. Uh, so, I mean, it makes sense why they're playing, like, you know, early spring, but I don't know. Not yeah. Fun. I mean, and, That's like, cool. just to kind of finish up, like, I think that that just kind of strengthens. But if you take a quick look at, like, people that could be French, um, Aubameyang is one. He's, like, born and raised in France. Um, yeah. Um, Drogba, Riyad Mahrez, um, Nicola Pepe, a lot of those guys could have chosen to play for France, which is just super scary. Um, if you think about it, if they would have like Riyad Mahrez alone on that French national team would be crazy. Um, but anyway, yeah, they have, be fair. It wouldn't. I mean, they're so good. I just, I, I, I kind of like when they go and play for their like. We talked about this in a past episode. Like you and I would both be pulling a Riyad Mahrez. We would both be playing for the yeah. of our ancestors. So, um, yeah. But yeah, that just kind of so many good footballers coming out of France. No matter their, yeah. their 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 like who they identify with, like they're coming out of France and just killing yeah. the game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's facts. Okay, well let's let's do this, bro. Let's do this. Let's uh let's come back next week. We'll both have an assignment. Let's put together like what we think would be the best way to determine what the best international team is. Okay. Um, and some, like, whether it's a tournament okay. and, like, how, how that would play out into, like, a real calendar season and what it would happen and so on and so forth. And I think that could be, like, a really interesting conversation and, like, and how to get, like, other teams involved that, like, otherwise wouldn't, like, cool. Gabon and, like, Cameroon or, like, Iceland or, you know, I don't know, Curacao. And then, like, another thing to also think about also would be, like, another question, like, if there was, like, a confederation. So there's the confederation cup, right? You know, the the winner of each confederation uh, tournament or international tournament. But, like, if like if Europe put together, like, a 26-squad team, North America, CONCACAF, uh, Commonwealth, like, they, they all did that. Like, that might be an easier way to determine who's better. Right. Which, I mean, let's be honest, like, I think we could, like, say you could just take the French team and you could, like, take the Brazilian team with, like, a few Argentines in it. And that would probably... And then, like, I feel like Africa could also give them a yeah. run for their money. Um, but, like, that would be, like, where the conversation stopped. Like, it would be between yeah. those three teams. I anyway, so. let's... Yeah, let's call it, though. We are right. at an hour. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, this it's so easy to talk. I mean, yeah. we're at an hour and we could easily talk for another. Um, but uh, thank you. For people that have stuck up us at this point, thank you. Um, it's always fun chatting, chatting football with you folks. And um, Brooks, thank you. And uh, we'll catch you guys next week. It's the 12th Man Podcast. We out.